Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you will uh, go with me, let's start at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Like I said, I'm going to teach a little bit today, and and I want us to uh, become aware, if you will. You know, every time we come into this place, uh, you're really raising awareness to something. Uh, For a lot of you, I understand I'm not teaching you or telling you something you don't already know. For some of us, it may be that. Uh, Anytime the Word of God is preached, we're doing one of two things. Anytime the Word of God is preached, anytime you hear the Word of God, one of two things is happening. Either one, you are uh, setting a new foundation, learning, discovering something you never knew before, never heard before. And for a lot of us, this may be new, how to be led by the Spirit of God and how to recognize uh, and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. That might be new for you. If it is, welcome. We're excited that you're here and excited that you're getting this because uh, I don't know what they've told you about church in the past and I don't know if they've told you about being a Christian and, and, and you know being a good person, becoming a believer, growing in your walk with the Lord, but this is absolutely paramount. If we're not believers or Christians that are being led by the Spirit of God on a daily basis, we're really not accomplishing much for the kingdom of God. If they told you that you just need to pray a prayer so you can get to heaven one day, I'm sorry. They told you that you needed to go to church and read your Bible occasionally uh, just to be a good person. I'm sorry, but we're going to get to the, the basis, the foundation uh, of what it means to uh, be a believer and the power uh, that you contain and how you can take this into your daily lives. Most people only want to be led by the Spirit on Sunday mornings. I remember I had a, a worship pastor friend of mine just recently made a post on Instagram, and, and, and as a worship pastor, you know, he feels the need uh, uh, and the pressure up here during worship. You know, what these guys do, uh, they are not up here for themselves, and they're not up here to put on a show. They're not here to entertain you. They're not here to demonstrate their gifts and their abilities. They're here to take you into the presence of God. But that's, there's a problem with that. That's a two-way street, because they can't do your part. If you choose not to go, if you choose not to uh, entertain, if you choose not to respond, if you choose not to raise your hand, sing the songs, that's up to you. They're gonna do what they're called to do regardless of what you do. But I'm gonna tell you right now, it's maximized what they do when you respond and you engage with what they're doing. You're not here to watch them play an instrument. You're not here to read words on a screen. Come on now. You're here to enter in the presence of God. And if you don't wanna do that, then come to about 20 minutes late and, and, and you can miss all the awkwardness, weirdness, because you know the only reason it's awkward is because you're worshiping a God you don't really know. You're sitting across from the table on a blind date with someone that's more interested in you than you are in them. You ever been on a blind date? Ever been on a date with someone that you didn't really wanna be around and you're like, whoa, who taught me into this? They didn't tell me they had glasses like that. They didn't tell me that they were that short. Uh, they didn't tell me that, uh, you know, their breast smelled that bad. They, I didn't get that on the Facebook post. And so now what happens is you got someone that's madly in love with you, but you're not as interested in them as they are in you. That's awkward. You don't know what to say. And that's what worship services are for a lot of Christians. It's awkward and weird. When will they be done with these songs? When can we just sit down and just hear the pastor preach a message and put some good points up there so I can get on with my day? 
No, you want to come in here interested in what God has for you. He's madly in love with you. He wants to tell you and express to you how much he loves you, and then he loves to hear how much you love him and how interested. When you sing songs like Christ is enough for me, when you're singing songs like he's the God of the promise, uh, his name will prevail, his word will not fail, you know what that does for him? Do we ever think about what worship does for him? Do we ever think about how he's sitting on a throne in heaven waiting for his children, his people, his country, his nation, his royal priesthood, holy nation, chosen generation, waiting to express their love for him? And so when we come in here disengaged after all the work that these individuals put in and and after all that God has done for us, whether you recognize it or not, he's worked in your life. You're missing an opportunity. We're missing a moment. But even in these moments and even, in, even on Sundays and even in these environments, this is where we expect sometimes to hear God move and hear God speak. This is where we expect to be led. And so this worship pastor friend of mine, he was making this post and just, you know, encouraging people to recognize when the Spirit's moving and not to put the Holy Spirit in a box. Not to, and that's talked a lot about in church because many times, if we're not careful, we will create substitutes for the Holy Spirit. You'll create a substitute. And so I just, I, I just posted in his little comment thing. I don't do that very often, but he's an individual that I know. I don't comment on people's stuff that I don't know. That's stupid. They don't know me, and they're, they're going to gain uh, uh, an understanding of who I am from one little comment. They, don't, they have no clue who I am. But this individual knows me, knows my heart. And I just said in there, I just said, you know, I think sometimes the strain that we feel in our worship services and church services for people to engage and draw uh, and be led by the Spirit is reduced because we haven't practiced that Monday through Saturday. It's really tough to show up on game day and do something that you haven't been practicing to do all week long. It's tough to walk in this house and all of a sudden worship God when you haven't been worshiping God Monday through Saturday. You, you, you want to be led by the Spirit in a song, but you don't want to be led by the Spirit in your car. And so I said, you know, I, I think as a church, we've got to do a better job of in, 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 in engaging people and helping them understand that being led by the Spirit is a daily process. It's not an event. You don't look at your calendar and say, okay, on that day, at that time, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. It's ongoing. It's active. It's an active lifestyle. When I look in the Word of God, I see people that relied, depended upon the Holy Spirit. It was life or death. And I've said this before, but as a church, we have built up more of a tolerance of the Holy Spirit than a dependence on the Holy Spirit. We tolerate him to the level that we know he's in the Bible, so we have to mention him every now and then, but, but we really don't understand how he works. We don't understand how he speaks. We don't understand uh, you know, how he operates in our lives. What is my expectation of what the Holy Spirit can even do? How do I know when it's the Holy Spirit or it's just I had bad pizza last night? How do I know? We got to teach people. And so I'm here to teach you today. And I want to look at three things. Three things. There are three 
levels of the Holy Spirit's operation in our lives. We're going to get through the first two and then we're going to hone in on the third one. And the first two are just as important as the third one, but today is not about focusing on the first two. There's three levels of the Holy Spirit's operation in our lives. Number one, it's to be born of the Spirit. It's to be born of the Spirit. That happens at salvation. And when you come into the kingdom of God and you make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives within you. And he begins to work in your life to help you produce the character of the kingdom of God. To help you produce what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit means result. That's what that means. We're not looking for apples and oranges and pears. We're looking for results that the Holy Spirit now lives in me. That now that I'm in the kingdom of God, I should look different, act different, talk different, respond different, operate different, have different agendas, different intentions, different motives, right? All these things change. So now the Holy Spirit comes, begins working in my life, says, hey, we don't hate, we love. Hey, we don't have fear, we have peace. Hey, we're not lazy, we're faithful. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It begins to produce the character of the kingdom. The second operation of the Holy Spirit for every believer is to be filled with the Spirit. That means to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. That's subsequent to, that's after you receive the salvation of the kingdom of God. Then there is an intention that God has that every believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of us understand it uh, 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 as uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the evidence of speaking in tongues or praying in a heavenly language. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus called it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes. He lives within me. At the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now comes upon me. I want the Holy Spirit upon me. The power of the Holy Spirit working through my life. And Jesus was very clear. You'll be baptized with water. John, the Baptist, he baptized with water. That's salvation. That's, that's uh, for the uh, forgiveness of sins. That's, lay, that's laying down my life, taking on his life, going in the water, dying with Jesus, and then being raised to life with Jesus' resurrection, coming out of the water. That's baptism. That's salvation. That's coming into the kingdom. That's entrance into the kingdom. But now that I'm in the kingdom, I want to live and operate with kingdom power. I want to have boldness to preach and speak the gospel. Look at Peter's life and how radically changed he was before having the Holy Spirit upon his life and after. It's very evident. And Jesus made it very clear. You don't do anything in the kingdom. You don't produce kingdom power, kingdom authority. You don't operate with, with boldness in the kingdom of God until after you have been filled with the Spirit. Not even Jesus himself did ministry until he was, received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not even Jesus himself. When he was baptized by John the Baptist, came out of the water, then the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a bird. The Holy Spirit's not a feeling. The Holy Spirit's not water. The Holy Spirit's not a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. The Bible never refers to the Holy Spirit as an it. And when it comes upon you. No, he says, and when he, when he, he is a person. 
The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. How many times we want to negate the Holy Spirit, but we want to focus on Jesus and God? Well, where's God? In heaven. Where's Jesus? Seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Where's the Holy Spirit? In me. On earth. So we're focused on the one, on the two that are in heaven and we forget about the one that's right here with us. And he's like, hey, what about me? I'm right here. I'm inside of you. I'm speaking to you. Everything I say is what he's saying. I'm not saying anything he's not saying. We'll take you all through this. I'm just trying to set you up a little bit. I need to be born of the spirit. I need to come into the kingdom of God. But then I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's for every single believer. That's not for pastors and teachers. That's not for certain people that God has already handpicked. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every single believer. And Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. You know what I've realized in life? Where there's great controversy, there's usually great value. That we argue sometimes over the things or, or that there, are, there is great confusion around what is of great value. And the enemy will absolutely try to deceive you and try to twist the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and all these different things because a believer without it is powerless. Powerless. Yeah, Look, if you're only interested in going to heaven, then you don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't need it. But if you want to do work on the earth for the kingdom of God, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So much so that Jesus told his disciples, Terry, wait, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and pull out some verses. I see some of us locking up a little bit. That's okay. We're just going to use the word. I'm not giving you experience and opinion, and I don't really care about your experience and your opinion and what you've heard and what background you've had. Really, really disinterested in that. I'm only interested in what the word says. I'm only interested in what this says. Okay? People tell me that praying in tongues isn't for today or it's of the devil. Well, you're too late. I already have. I've already done it. So what do you call what I've been doing since I was eight years old and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and praying in tongues? Let's look at this, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, if you have the word with you, turn to it, highlight it, look at it. If you do not, if you have a device you can pull it up on, that's helpful. And if you don't even have that, then you can look on the screen behind us. We make it available for you. But we want to see what the word says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is talking about when we come into the kingdom of God and when we receive the Holy Spirit uh, at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives within us so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, so that we don't continue to live according to the world. He has to give us this uh, example because this is what is happening, is when you come into the kingdom of God, 
Just because you're born of the Spirit doesn't mean you automatically yield to the Spirit. There's three types of people on this planet. There are those that are unsaved, not born again, don't know Jesus. Then there are those that are saved, born again, know Jesus. But then within that, there's two categories. This is where you get the third one because usually we want to stop there. You're either saved or unsaved. In the kingdom, in the world. But even in the kingdom, there's two different kinds. There's spiritual and there's carnal. Carnal means that I'm saved, born again. I've received the adoption into the family and into the kingdom, but I still live like the world and I still yield to the lust of the world. I still do the things that I used to do before I came into the kingdom. That's absolutely possible because God's not gonna force you to live according to his law and to, according to his principles. And even though you have the Holy Spirit living in you, that doesn't mean that you automatically yield to it and every, everything that he says. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. How do we yield? How do we be led? How do we live according to what the spirit of God wants to do? Because that's how we change things. If we had people that yielded to the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have Facebook posts that we have. We wouldn't have people in government doing what they do. We think, we think the answer is getting everybody born again. Not necessarily. Because there's plenty of people that are born again, but they're doing more damage for the kingdom than they are helping it if we aren't led by the Spirit of God. If we're not led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit will tell you when to say something and when not to say something. The Holy Spirit will tell you when to give something and when not to give something. The Holy Spirit will tell you where to go and tell you where not to go. I like what one minister says. He says, I'm not that smart, but the Holy Spirit will make you look smart. He sure will. I didn't come up with that. The Holy Spirit did. You know, I have to be led by the Spirit every time I get up here and deliver a message. And anytime someone after service tells me, man, you were preaching right to me. How'd you know? It was like you're in my bedroom, in my living room. That's not that creepy. I don't go into people's houses. I'm not staring in your windows trying to get my message prepared. But the Holy Spirit's with you and he knows what you need today. He knows what you need. Hallelujah. In John chapter 20, John chapter 20, after Jesus has resurrected, come back from the dead, he visits his disciples. John chapter 20 in verse 21, it says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's what he said to his disciples. Now this is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is their account, if you will, of salvation. They couldn't receive Jesus as Lord and Savior before he died because he hadn't died. But now that he's resurrected, like when you pray the prayer of salvation and you make Jesus Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. That's what he's doing for these disciples. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the account when the, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within the disciples. People have asked before, when did they get saved? We don't have a count where they prayed 
a prayer of salvation. But this was the moment. They saw Jesus. They believed in his death, burial, and resurrection. Now committing to the call. Now I'm sending you. So he does what? Receive the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. But later on, later on, at a different moment, they actually received the baptism. Now, why would they need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if they already received it in this account? They didn't. This was when the Holy Spirit came and lived within them. In Ephesians chapter eight, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter five in verse eight, Ephesians chapter five, verse eight, again, speaking to coming out of darkness, coming into light, changing your environment doesn't automatically change you. So I've come out of darkness, I've, got, I've come into the kingdom, and now I need to learn how to live according to the kingdom. And in Ephesians chapter five and verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light of the world. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Well, if there's something that is acceptable to the Lord, then there must be something that is unacceptable to the Lord. So I wanna live that in a way that's pleasing him. I wanna live in a way that is acceptable to him. And so the Holy Spirit comes and now he's beginning to direct me and guide me and he's beginning to show me how I can produce the fruit of the spirit, the character of the kingdom, the results of the kingdom, rather than always having to do what the world says I have to do. Okay, that's salvation. But in Acts chapter one, we see the second way the Holy Spirit operates in the believer. In Acts chapter one, Jesus again speaking with his disciples in verse four. Speaking with his disciples in verse four and being assembled together with them, he commanded them, his disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. In my Bible, promise is capitalized. So we're not just talking about a promise like I'm making a promise to you. We're talking about a person. The promise is personified in the person, the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about the promise and we are talking about a promise that Jesus had already promised his disciples before he went to the cross that he would send another, one just like him. Jesus uh, or, or the Holy Spirit is, is, is not merely... Uh, uh, he's not like the, the, the bench on the team. Well, Jesus not available. Uh, Jesus, you know, pulled a hammy. So uh, bring in the Holy Spirit, call him in. You know, we need a relief. He's not the B team. No, Jesus said he's another. That means one just like as. So everything Jesus did, the Holy Spirit can do. Everything Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will say. The Holy Spirit is operating in our lives as Jesus did when he was on this planet. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit is capable of. And so Jesus is saying, look, if I'm going to get you guys, the disciples, to duplicate what I've been doing, you're gonna need help like I've had help. You're gonna need assistance like I need assistance. 
And so Jesus told them, uh, I'm going to send to you a helper. God will send to you. The Father will send you a helper, a comforter. He'll send you someone to lead you, to guide you, remind you of things that I've said, show you things to come. This is all in Jesus's words in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. So now we're coming to the culmination of it because Jesus made this statement about the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage that I leave because if I don't leave, he can't come. If I don't leave the earth and go according to the plan of God, then the Holy Spirit can't be sent to you. So here's the thing. What Jesus could do on this earth being one man, now anyone that houses the Holy Spirit and is filled with the Holy Spirit can do what Jesus did. That might be the first time you've heard that. You might have put Jesus on this pedestal like, uh, you know, he's the son of God. He's Lord of all, absolutely. But Jesus came to empower you to do the works he did. In John chapter 14, verse 12, he said, even greater works will you do. Why? Because I go to the Father. People pray and, and say, man, you know, it'd be so nice if Jesus was on the earth. It wasn't really that great when he was here. Can I just tell you? It was so bad that they killed him. If you think the world would be any different today because Jesus was walking on this planet, you are sadly mistaken. He spoke directly to people's hearts, called them out, told them what they needed, and they still rejected him to his face. Wouldn't be that much great, uh, better. Wouldn't be much greater. But let me tell you what is greater. That now Jesus can be duplicated through each one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we don't want to preach about that. We don't want to talk about that. Because the Holy Spirit, he, he, the, the, let me put it this way. The, the devil is just fine with you getting saved. Because it's not just a born-again believer that is a threat to the kingdom of hell. It's a born-again believer that knows who he is, what he possesses, what his identity is, and, and the, the opposition that he brings to the gates of hell. And that is who threatens Satan. He's already lost, by the way, and he knows it. He knows what his uh, uh, eternity looks like. So he's just here trying to, 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 to thwart the plan of God as much as he can to enact his authority and, 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 and his governance and his rule over this earth as much as he can. But the second that a born again believer empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit that knows their identity and knows what they can do shows up on the planet, he begins to tremble in the sight of that. Christians alone do not make the devil fearful. As long as you're a believer that doesn't know who you are or is carnal and is still carrying out the plan of the enemy even though you're in the kingdom or isn't empowered by the Holy Spirit, you don't pose a threat. It's the word of God. The devil knows the plan isn't just to get as many people to heaven. He knows that. But yet we teach that and we tell people that. And the devil loves it that we limit the gospel to just that. Loves it. So I'm here to tell you there's more. Look at your neighbor. Say there's more. There's more. There is absolutely more. 
So in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So he's talking about something he's already made reference to before. It's not a surprise. This isn't a brand new topic. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, you may not know when this thing ends, but I'm gonna tell you how to carry out the plan of God until it does. Until I come back, this is what you need to be doing. It's kind of like my, my, uh, my uh, little league baseball team, my son's baseball team. When's the game gonna be over? What's the score? Doesn't matter. Quit asking me questions that don't matter. I don't care if it's 20 to two and we're winning or if it's 20 to two and we're losing. Play baseball. That's why you're out here. Does the, does the score change how you're gonna play? I hate the scoreboard. I wish they would take the stupid thing down. There's a couple of games that we played and there was no scoreboard and it was the best. What's the score? Zero, zero. And then I'd hear the kids. No, it's not. I know we've scored at least two runs. No, it's zero, zero. Because whether you're losing or whether you're winning doesn't matter. You're going to keep playing the game until the game is done. Because what I've found out is if they think they're winning, they'll begin to get lazy. And if they think they're losing, they'll get sad and they'll, oh, we're not going to win the game. And then they won't even play the game. So the score is zero, zero. Until the game is over, it's zero, zero. But when that scoreboard's up, ugh. We're winning. It's 20 to 2. If you give up an 18-run deficit, we're really, I'm, not, I'm taking all your snacks away. I will tell, I will eat them myself. I'm taking your goldfish. I'm taking your Kool-Aid. I'm taking all of it. I'm not, you're not getting popsicles. You're going straight to bed. I will take you straight home. If you lose after leading ahead. My gosh. What inning is it? Doesn't matter. I'll tell you when it's over. I promise I won't have you out here any longer than you need to be here, okay? Keep playing. Keep playing. We can't lay down. We can't quit. We can't give up. We can't think we're defeated. The game's over, but we still need you in the game. We need you in the earth. We need you empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit, doing the work of the kingdom of God. That's what we need in these last days. This is the greatest need in the last days. People responding to the Holy Spirit. He said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Wait a minute, I thought they already received the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20, 21 and 22. We just read that. Now, now he's talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the infilling, the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And then in Acts chapter two, you know, we read that. The Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind. They heard a sound. The Holy Spirit's not a wind, but they heard a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. 
Tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit's not a tongue of fire. He's not fire. But he, that, that was what was presented. And then they began to speak with other tongues. And, and, and usually one of the biggest hiccups I have with people is they just think it's weird. Speaking in another language. And I do my best to try to diffuse that. Number one, there are all kinds of languages on this earth. And I've never seen any of you ever freak out when someone talked in Spanish or French or, you know, some other weird language. We don't freak out at that. We just recognize, oh, they're of a different culture. And look, if they come talking directly to me, then yes, I need an interpretation. But if they're not talking to me, I don't need an interpretation. Hey, what, what are you saying? I wasn't talking to you. Oh, okay. Come on now. Paul gives... Very strict orders of how the Holy Spirit's, uh, 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 how tongues is to operate in a corporate setting. But I've heard people, you know, this person on my row was, was praying in tongues and I couldn't understand what they were saying. Weren't talking to you. They're talking to God. Why are you so interested in their conversation with God? But now if they give a tongue that directs the, 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 the corporate group, that's directed to the corporate group where everyone's quiet and we're receiving that word, then yes, I need interpretation because now God is trying to talk to us. Now I need an interpreter. And let me just say this. If you think this is weird, let me tell you what's weird. Is that God himself would come out of heaven to this planet to die for people that strictly disobeyed him and went on their own according to another way. And that Jesus being perfect and flawless would lay down his perfect life for you, hung, be tortured, tormented, beaten, bruised, uh, split wide open, blood leaking out of his body, hung on a cross naked for everybody to laugh at and scorn. And he did it all for you and for people that would never choose him. I mean, if you think that speaking in tongues is weird, we're already in something that's weird, that one man would lay down his life for people that may never receive him. We're already past weird. We're already past something that doesn't make sense. This Bible is full of stuff that doesn't make sense to your natural brain, but that's because it supersedes it. Our ways aren't God's, aren't God's ways. Our thoughts aren't his thoughts. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And now I'm not trying to limit what God can do in my life down to my thinking. I'm trying to raise my thinking to his. And so the Holy Spirit is just another Opportunity. So, number one, we see that we need to be born of the Spirit at salvation. Number two, we see that we need to be filled with the Spirit, but with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit working through us so that we can enact kingdom power on this earth. We need that. You won't find anybody in the Bible that didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in their life doing anything, for the, doing anything for the kingdom of God. You have to have the Holy Spirit to operate in the kingdom power, period. And with that comes the prayer language, praying in tongues. But the third level of operation of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is being led by the Spirit being led by the Spirit. I need to be born of the Spirit. I need to be filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. 
and I need to be led by the Spirit. And in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. One of the greatest identifiers of sons and daughters, children of the King, is that they are led by His Spirit. That means that it should be operating in our lives that we are led by the Spirit. Now, here's the thing. I can be led by all sorts of things. I can be led by my feelings. I can be led by a bank account. I can be led by a a tragedy. I can be led by my emotions. I can be led by other people. I can be led by all kinds of things in life. The problem is, is whatever is leading you is determining where you end up. If you are led by someone or something and you don't end up at the same place they end up, then guess what? You're not led. They're not leading you. You're not doing a very good job following. If you're gonna have a leader, you have to have a follower. I've heard people say a leader without followers is just taking a walk. There's nobody behind you. You're not leading anything if no one's following you. So therefore, we have to, if we are led by the Spirit of God, then that means we need to follow the Spirit of God. And that means I cannot follow my emotions. I cannot follow my feelings. I can't follow what I think about something. I can't follow other people. I can't follow a pastor. I can't follow a denomination. I can't follow a background or an experience or history. I have to be a follower of the Holy Spirit. I've got to be led by the Spirit. Now watch this. Later on down in this chapter, in verse 19. So we just saw as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. But now verse 19, Romans chapter eight and verse 19 says this. For the earnest expectation of the creation Eagerly waits, eagerly waits. Creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And what's a son of God? One that is led by the Spirit. Creation is waiting. Doesn't say for Christians, for believers. Creation is waiting. The world is waiting for somebody to be led by the Spirit of God. I heard someone put it this way. This tells me that sons of God, people that are led by the Spirit of God, are rare. 
You're not eagerly waiting for something that's common. You're not eagerly waiting with a great expectation for something that you can just easily get a hold of. You're not waiting for something that is, in, that is just, you know, so much of it abounding and overflowing that, you know, there's just too much. No, no, no. It's saying that creation is eagerly expecting and waiting for the sons of God. That tells me that we don't have very many. Not as many as we should that are led by the Spirit of God. Led by the Spirit of God. There are so many things that want to distract you. This is the... Oh, oh, there it is. Not done yet. Microphone's not going to tell me. I'm not led by my microphone. (laughs) I don't care if they all go out. I'll say it loud enough. We'll all get it today. But this this does help my voice. Amen. Uh, We could be led by so many things. We've said it before. The enemy, if he can't destroy you, he'll distract you. If the devil can't destroy you, he'll distract you. A distracted believer is just as dangerous as an unbeliever. So there's so many things vying for your attention. So many things vying that that, that we can be, we can veer off, not find ourselves on the path that the Holy Spirit is going. The need to be led by the Spirit is so great today. We must rely on, On the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this in Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Did you know that you can walk, or if you would like to in this passage, the, the Greek word for walk is actually live. So we're talking about not living according to our flesh, but living according to our spirit. In almost everything in life, you can choose one of two ways. You can choose to do things according to the spirit, or you can choose to do things according to the flesh. For the believer, the unbelievers don't have that option. They don't have the spirit of God. They don't have the spirit of God leading them and guiding them. But we do. We have the Holy Spirit. So I've got a choice to make. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You know what? I I see people that they want to be led by the Spirit, but they don't want to set their mind. And you can't have one without the other. The Holy Spirit is not going to come into your life and overtake you and control you. That's not being controlled by the Spirit, it's being led by the Spirit, which means being led means I have to yield. I have to make the decision to follow. 
But you know what is inhibiting uh, or prohibiting a lot of people from following the Holy Spirit? Is that they're not even in the word to begin with. We don't have a practice and an exercise of following what the word says. You've got to set your mind to it. You've got to say, I'm following the Holy Spirit. I'm getting my, the Holy Spirit will remind you of things, but he can't remind you of stuff that's not there. He can't remind you of stuff that you haven't been putting in your mind. So you have to set your mind to it. Holy Spirit's not going to do it for you. He's going to do it with you. Do you hear me? The Holy Spirit's not going to do it for you. He's going to do it with you. They set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I know this, that if I set my mind to carnality, if I set my mind to the world, if I set my mind to anything other than what the Holy Spirit's doing, I will overrule the Holy Spirit every time. I sure will. Did you know you can overrule the Holy Spirit? You can say, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not going there. And maybe you're not doing it intentionally. Well, maybe you're doing it because we haven't practiced being led by the Spirit. I know if I practice at anything, I'll get better. I know if I'll practice at anything, I'll get better. I want to get better at being led by the Spirit, which means I need to practice being led by the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, division, divisive against God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, because the spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same Holy Spirit that got Christ. You didn't get a lesser Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, God didn't take the Holy Spirit and split them up uh, into you know millions of equal parts and gave you a little bit and you a little bit. No, you get all of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ out of the dead, that caused him to come back to life after three days, that caused the tomb to be rolled away and Jesus to walk out of that thing. The same spirit that raised Christ out of the dead lives in you. Man, if we only had a glimpse, man, if we only knew, if we only had an idea of the capacity and the capability of the Holy Spirit working in the life of a believer, the same spirit. And then he continues on down in verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In the book of Acts, I don't have time to get all the way in it, but the book of Acts reveals to us what people led by the Spirit look like. I heard someone say one time, in the book of Acts, it was 90% Spirit and 10% man. 
And he said, today, we've reversed it. We cannot live life doing 90% of what we want to do and give the Holy Spirit 10% of access. Worship team, if you'd come. I don't know about you. I want to live the unlimited life God has called me to. I want to exercise every capacity. Every thing that God wants you to do in this earth will be a result of being led by the Spirit of God. I mean, do you want to accidentally get it right or do you want to know you've got it right? Let me tell you this. We saw three levels of the Holy Spirit's operation in our life. Number one, being born of the Spirit. Salvation. He comes and he lives in me. Because he wants you to live with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He wants you to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He wants you to live a holy life pleasing to him, unblemished. And second, we saw that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The evidence of speaking in tongues, receiving the opportunity and the ability to pray in an, in an unknown language, a, a heavenly language, a new language. Romans chapter eight later on tells me that the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. It's the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But then thirdly, we see that we are led by the Spirit. God's looking for people that are not just born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. He's looking for people that are led by the Spirit. And this is the interesting thing. You can't have the first two without the third. What I mean is, is to be born of the Spirit, you have to be led by the Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit draws all men to repentance. Do you know you didn't make the decision? You made the decision, but you didn't come there on your own. You were led by the Spirit to say, I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. I'm not in right standing. I need His redemption, His restoration in my life. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you, and you had to yield to that. To be filled, empowered, have the Holy Spirit come upon you to be led by the Spirit. I had someone ask me one time, well, can I be led by the Spirit and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, here's the thing. If you're led by the Spirit, He will lead you to be baptized in the Spirit. He wouldn't lead you and say, you don't need it. No, the Holy Spirit's saying everything Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is saying everything his word said. The Bible says the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own initiative. He will never say anything to you out of alignment with what God says. Let me tell you, we want to talk with God. We want to conversate with God. But the Holy Spirit is who God uses to meet us, to speak to us, to reveal his will to us. So we need to have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. A meeting with the Holy Spirit. 
an opportunity to sit down with him and say, Holy Spirit, what do you have today? I'm not saying he'll set your schedule. He'll go with what you've got and say, while you're here, do this. The Holy, the Holy Spirit wants to work in your everyday, mediocre, walking through life day. Every day. We don't have to wait for him in a building with, that, that's called a church. We don't have to wait for him when we're at a prayer meeting or in a Bible study. We don't have to wait for him only when we need him. But the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and talking to us every day. The last thing I want to say is this. Is the Holy Spirit will never shout over your stuff. The Holy Spirit doesn't wave you down to get your attention. He just speaks a still small voice on the inside. Which means you have to quiet everything else to hear him. You've got to shut everything else out. Man, we live in a world that's more distracted than ever. The Holy Spirit's having a harder time today than ever before getting his people's attention. But let's be a people that will be intentional about giving the Holy Spirit our attention. Taking time. Our lives are busy. We're going from here to there. But take the time to stop. It might be in a car ride. It might be getting up before your family, going to bed after your family. It might be a lunch break by yourself somewhere. Whatever it takes, we've got to be intentional about giving our attention to Him. Because He wants you to live the best life. He wants you to live a fulfilled life. He wants you to produce everything the kingdom of God has for you. He wants you to be empowered with the absolute power from the kingdom that nothing can destroy you, stop you, keep you from fulfilling the plan of God in your life. He wants you to live in the perfect state that God has for you. And that doesn't mean it's free of challenges and and, and free of struggles, but he's there with you in the midst of it, helping you get through it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church Podcast.